What's up, what's up, football fans? Welcome to episode 24 of the DKB Footy Show. And also, happy Independence Day to Manchester United fans. Yes, you heard that right. Happy Independence Day. You know why? Because Jose Mourinho is gone. The special one has been sacked as Manchester United coach. Wow. I... I don't even know like how to react honestly. I I I definitely saw it coming. We all saw it coming. Nobody is surprised, but I don't know if we all expected it to happen this fast, this quickly. We had all thought that um well I had I for one I thought that it would take up until maybe after Christmas, after the New Year's, after we've been knocked out maybe of the Champions League and um our top four was mathematically impossible to attain. Then the United board would sack him. But they sacked him now. And I must say I'm not complaining whatsoever. In fact, I am overjoyed because this has been long overdue. It was so obvious that this guy was just not the man for United this season. Even last season, despite coming second, we also glimpses of the beginning of the end because he was having issues with players, with staff, with the board as well. And it all came to a head over the summer. Definitely, this, um, the past summer was where the signs were so obvious that things were starting to unravel between the board and Mourinho. Um, and it was obviously because of transfers. I think that was the first sign of, of things not really going to plan between the board and Mourinho. He cut a really, really frustrated figure, if you remember, during the summer the summer period, the summer, um, what do you call it? The summer tour in the US, the preseason tour. He cut a really, really frustrated figure. He looked so sad, so gloomy, so grumpy during press conferences, during like every every time you saw him, he never had one smile on his face. I remember he was asked whether United were going to be challenging for the league this season. He refused to answer. He was asked to like kind of just give compliments to Paul Pogba and what he was expecting from him after he had just won the World Cup instead of praising his player, praising his most prized asset, his by far his most talented player. Instead, he just attacks Pogba and said that Pogba only played well because it was a World Cup, because he had a lot to play for. I mean, he's playing for his country. And it was up for Pogba to understand why he wasn't so good for United the previous season and to improve his own game. So again, another chance to at least put a smile on United fans' faces and show some positivity going into the new season. And he can't even do that. It was so intentional. When asked about his signings, he said, oh, that United's players are shit. He's not getting the signings he wants. He wanted he wanted um, some centre-backs. He wanted guys like Jerome Boateng, whom the club refused to sign because his age, he was 29 years old, not playing the best football, and he was so injury-prone. Harry Maguire was also a transfer target, but the problem with Maguire was the transfer fee that Leicester, the price tag Leicester put on him was just way too high. 
and he started to complain that why didn't any of the United scouts notice Maguire when he was playing for Hull City the previous season before that. And also he wanted Alderweireld. Alderweireld, Spurs, we all know um, Daniel Levy is a tough negotiator, possibly the toughest in football right now. And Alderweireld was also another injury-prone player at the at his um going into his older years i think he should be at least like 29 or 30 by now and the united board were just not ready to give money to a coach that first of all who hadn't even shown that he was good enough to develop the players he was already entrusted with i mean united the board backed this guy Believe it or not, he has spent up to four hundred million pounds since taking over at the club. He signed eleven players, and don't forget that that four hundred million pounds is not including the transfers of Zlatan and Alex and Sanchez, who were who both came in without any money being transferred. So, what did he do with any of these players? I mean, I I find it really really difficult to pick out two or three players that I can, without a doubt, say have improved since Mourinho has taken over. At the top of my head, it's Lingard. That's really the first person that comes to my mind. I would say, like, without a shred of a doubt, Mourinho has improved Lingard. And then maybe you could say Luke Shaw this season. I mean, even though this season it has not even reached the halfway point, so we can't even say that that's really a full improvement. But at least he has played better than this season that he has since joining United and that's it Lukaku Lukaku last season you can make that argument but this season that argument is not even it's a non-starter so apart from him apart from those like who else has he improved Pogba hell no Matic Matic has been on the same level since he joined Bailly Bailly he's he stopped he, he wasn't even playing by really like um over the past season and a half Lindelof signed Lindelof or he why he kept on complaining that he didn't like him he didn't really play him um who else Zlatan because Zlatan was a success but he was already a ready-made proven player Alexis Sanchez just looks like a shadow of the player that he was before and um who else? I don't know. Alexis Sanchez. Who else did he sign? Fred. Signed Fred for £50 million. The only signing he made over the summer. Doesn't even play him. Doesn't trust him at all. So, like, yeah. I mean, Mourinho. Like, what the hell is he talking about? He also wanted to get guys like Ivan Perisic and William, who are both in their late 20s, approaching 30 years old. And we would have had to shell out at least like 40 or 50 million pounds for those two players. So it was obvious that Marina did not really see a long-term future with United. So what he wanted to do was to just sign some short fixes, short-term players who could get the job done. And he would just leave the club after maybe a season or two. Leave the club with these really old guys who would probably have not been able to play anymore high-level football like we're talking maybe like three years to come so i could definitely understand the united board not wanting to give Mourinho the money that he was demanding and Mourinho just kept on like he just kept on being frustrated and that was just the summer that wasn't even half of 
like we we were not even ready for how badly the season was started. So season started, poor results everywhere, failed to beat any of the top six teams, conceded more goals already this season than we had for the whole entirety of last season. In the Champions League, put on, put in some poor performances against Valencia home and away, poor performance against Young Boys away from home, and two poor performances against Juventus, which we were very, very lucky to win even one of them. And in addition, I mean, he's also stayed in a hotel throughout his two and a half years at Manchester. He never bought a house, which, I mean, I think that's also another indication of somebody who doesn't see a long-term future where he is. Because despite, yes, it was a five-star hotel, comfortable, but I mean, I don't think that could have been good for his mental health, to be honest, because playing in, like being so lonely every day away from his family, just heading back to a hotel room instead of like a nice cozy house every single day. I don't know if that's good for your mental health at all. Like just strictly speaking as like a human being, I don't know if that's good at all. So, I mean, all of these reasons. And then the way he started attacking his players, he's constantly attacked his players since he came, he took over. He has attacked Luke Shaw countless times. I mean, I felt so bad for Luke Shaw at times. Even though Luke Shaw had, did, didn't do himself any favors, in all honesty, I still think that the amount of attacks or verbal attacks, like public attacks in, the, in front of the media that Mourinho has, has um, given to this guy, it's really like, it's almost like unprofessional. Same with Martial. He has attacked Martial so many times. Martial was playing the best football of his life, possibly, last season. And then what does he do? He signs Sanchez and benches Martial. He attacked Paul Pogba, most noticeably. Starting from last season, he benched him a couple times. Benched him this season. Like, Pogba wasn't even... Like figuring into Marino's plans, it was so evident that Paul Pogba was not even part of Marino's plans up until he got sacked eventually. And yeah, all these reasons are just compounded. Like there was just no reason why Marino deserved to. There was no like evidence that would show that there was something in him that could that could make him bounce back and take this team back to its glory days. Not to mention the style of play such a boring style of play the only reason why you can accept Mourinho's style of play is when he's winning trophies but if he's not winning anything and he's playing poorly then what is the benefit of having this guy in charge uh like yeah and and it was just fitting that he got sacked after that loss against Liverpool the poorest the most i would say the most um like the most obvious display of cowardice from one manager in a match was was just evident in this match against liverpool i mean how many shots did we concede that match united conceded about 36 shots in a single match against liverpool which is the highest that we'd ever um, recorded since Statistics had been being kept for things like this. So, I mean, 
like there's just i don't see any reason why Mourinho should have stayed man like it was just too toxic the atmosphere and the locker room i mean he had issues with the staff issues issues with the players issues with the board as well i mean the board are by no means free of any guilt here they deserve a lot of the guilt which i'm going to come to very soon but Mourinho had to go he wasn't all of united's problems but he was a big chunk of them so i mean yeah there's just i don't see any reason why this guy deserved to stay at all and and yeah so he got sacked on tuesday the announcement was made by the united board Mourinho's done as far as united is concerned he has left the club and good riddance to him man i cannot say i'm sad at all in all honesty when he was first appointed i thought it was a good appointment because despite the fact that i knew he was not going to bring that swashbuckling football of the fergie days i felt that united were in such a desperate position that winning trophies was more important than the style of play on the pitch but i mean now i can see that a lot of people did not really support this i mean there were a lot of naysayers even when he got appointed which is part of the reason why i think ultimately his tenure was a failure because from the get go there were members of the board even that were against him being signed because of his antics because of the way he likes to air out his dirty laundry all the time and um and also because of the style of play obviously and even the media i would say the media were definitely not a fan of him taking over this job because the united job i mean since alex ferguson made united what it is the manchester united is like the is is almost like the real madrid of of england i would say they're they're the they're the most marketable club in the league and that is why i think even many neutral people want to see united succeed want to see united play well and it was evidence in the media and the media was not a fan of seeing a coach that they obviously did not like Mourinho has had issues with the media since he started coaching and they didn't want him to be the one taking charge of manchester united so all over there were just a lot of reasons why this guy was not a good fit but i i thought he was a good fit at the beginning but i'm not ashamed to say i was completely 100% wrong and marinho's done goodbye to him and within a few hours of marinho getting sacked paul pogba decided to go online and go on instagram and post a picture with a smirk on his face saying caption this and obviously that had to be a dig at Mourinho it just had to be there's there's just no way it wasn't and he received a lot of backlash from that which i for one do not see why he received all that backlash i mean a lot of people were saying that it was tasteless it was classless that Pogba too has had his own issues and Mourinho is not the one that has created all of Pogba's problems since he came back to United. But come on, let's calm down. I mean, it was just a smirk and and um and the picture just had captioned this. He did, it was not obvious at 
all that he was attacking Mourinho. I mean, I think he was. Don't get me wrong. I think he definitely was targeting that at Mourinho. I think it was a very, very subtle jab at Mourinho. But that's all it was. A very subtle jab. It was not obvious. It was not disrespectful in my opinion. It's not like he came out and said, oh, good riddance to bad rubbish or or putting up like a very obvious post that he's happy with United's decision or anything like that. It was so subtle. I mean, I've seen players in the past even do worse. I remember William last season after, after Chelsea won the FA Cup, when William posted the picture of, of the team huddled up, um, raising the trophy, he actually put emojis, um, emojis to cover up Antonio Conte's body in the picture. So he blocked off Antonio Conte, and what backlash did he get from that? Zero. I even I think most people don't even know he did that till today. So why is it that whenever Pogba does anything, like the whole world just goes upside down? Look at guys like Gary Neville, Piers Morgan. Like who the fuck are they to come and start talking? Like Gary Neville, you're an absolute failure of a coach. I respect him so much as a player because of what he did to United, but he really should like just not get over himself like he should just calm down and not blow things out of proportion i don't see anything wrong with what pogba did it was so subtle it was and i know, I know he claims that it was it was a promotional it was a promotional picture for adidas that's why he claims and adidas also backed up this claim but i think they were just trying to cover up the cracks and like take care of their, their boy. But still, I don't see anything wrong. I mean, look at what Mourinho did to this guy. Mourinho has criticized him several times. Every time Man United don't play well, even though the whole squad plays poorly, Pogba is always the one that is a scapegoat, always attacked. He stopped playing Pogba, started benching him. He refused to even give him support after he had won the World Cup. He stripped him of his vice captaincy and said that Pogba would never be captain of United again. Remember that bust up during the training session as well? So yeah, I don't yeah, Pogba is well within his rights to be very happy. And I'm sure with from all the reports I've seen, all the other players are very happy that Mourinho's left. I've seen a few players post some tributes on social media, but hey, it took you guys two days or like a day and a half to post tributes. I think that just shows that you guys were happy at first, but then deciding to like show some respect. Eric Bailly posted a tribute, Lingard posted a tribute, Angel Gomez posted a tribute, Diogo, Diogo Dalo and a few other guys. But believe me, 90% of that dressing room is happy Mourinho is gone and so am I. And for Mourinho now, I don't really know what his future, what lies for his future. I think he needs to take some time out, reflect on what he's done right, what he's done wrong and if he's lucky enough for another top-level team to give him a job, then he should take it. But after taking a sabbatical, he needs to take a few years off, man. Because right now, his stock has gone way down. I don't really see any top club that would even consider hiring this guy, man. I, I think it would be a big mistake, in my opinion. And yeah, man, Mourinho, but all the best to him, though. It's, it's all football, nothing personal. I'm just happy he's gone, but I wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. So, in the meantime, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been appointed as the interim coach for United until the end of the season. 
until they are able to scout out a new permanent manager. Whew, I really don't know what to make of this signing, to be honest, because Solskjaer, he's a legend for the club. I love this guy. I will never forget the winning goal he scored in the 1999 treble against Bayern Munich. I'll never forget all the goals he scored off the bench. I don't think we've had a better a better um, bench player that can come on and make a difference in the game like he does, like he had. He scored over 120 goals for the club in like over, uh, over 300 appearances. And in terms of the culture of the club, he knows the club inside and out. He played under Ferguson and he's definitely going to unite the player. I mean, if from all evidence, it seems like he gets along well with everybody that he's worked with. Also, he was the in charge of the youth academy when Paul Pogba was actually signed. So there should be some relationship there. And um but 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 at the same time, as a manager, he doesn't really have a track record of success. His only stint as a manager in England was with Cardiff and they got relegated. Right um before this job, I think he was in charge of mold. I don't really know how he was how the team was performing with Mould in, in Norway, but he doesn't have a track record of success. But I think every United fan can just basically write off this season, if we haven't already. I had already written off the season since the start because Mourinho was so sad and dire and it, and it was obvious that United were not going to get anything tangible from this season. So if he's just able to bring back some beautiful attacking football, I mean, that's really all, all we can ask for. The biggest challenge for United now is who they appoint next. I, for one, would love nothing more than to hear that Mauricio Pochettino has been appointed as United manager. I do not give a shit that he has not won any trophies because he has overachieved with Tottenham Hotspur, no matter which way you want to see it. Tottenham Hotspur are now a regular top four team, a team that should have that, that has kind of challenged for the league titles in the past. And this is all down to Pochettino, in my opinion. Who was Spurs before he signed? They were just a team that was struggling to make it into the top four at times, top six at best. That was what they were before he came. Um, look at the players that he's developed. Who was Harry Kane before he came? Who was Dele Ali? Who was Eric Lamella? I know he was expensive, but really, who was he? He has developed the likes of Son Heung-min. Look at all the players that they signed that were declining in their former teams and have now really turned it around. We're talking about the likes of Lucas Moura, Sissoko as well. Um, and yeah, man, all around, this guy is a developer of talent. He knows how to spot talent. He knows how to work within a budget. And he's just a very, very talented coach. And there's nobody else that is available. I don't really think Zidane is a good choice. And I've seen some other names that I don't even want to like give the time of day. So United, hire Pochettino, man. That's really the man. It's going to be very difficult because Real Madrid are also looking for a new coach. But man, I don't know what it's going to take. But whatever it takes, man, get this guy. I don't care if you're going to make him the highest earning Managing the history of football, he deserves it. Give it to him. Get Pochettino to United. So let's 
get down to the football action on the pitch. Start off with the Premier League results. And obviously, it's fitting to talk about Liverpool 3, Man United 1. Liverpool dominated this game from start to finish. Opened the scoring through Sadio Mane. And um, Jesse Lingard got an equaliser, quite fortunate, because it was a cross and... What's his name? Allison didn't handle the ball properly. And then Lingard just had basically to just get his foot on the ball and it went to the back of the net. And then Jurgen Klopp made a super sub of Jadon Shakiri, who came off the bench and scored two goals from the bench to give Liverpool the win. 3-1 against United. As I said, Liverpool absolutely dominated this match from start to finish. United was so poor. Liverpool had 36 shots. United had, what is it, like three or four. And I just, yeah, I can't complain. Liverpool deserved this win. It's um, interesting, though, that it's Jurgen Klopp's first victory over United since joining. Liverpool's first win over United at Anfield as well since, was it 2013 or 2014, something like that. It's been a while. But Liverpool look like they are proper, genuine title contenders who are going to go the distance with Manchester City, which is what I love to see. So I'm definitely not so shaken that United lost the match. And in fact, it was a match that led to Mourinho getting sacked. So I think that was a win-win for both clubs, in my opinion. Next match, Manchester City defeated Everton three goals to one. I honestly don't think this result actually reflected how the match went. I think Everton had a lot of good opportunities to get something out of this match. I remember Richarlison could have opened the scoring, but he failed to. And Gabriel Jesus made it 1-0. And then not too long after, he made it 2-0, both from quite bad defending, very, very bad defending from the likes of of Yerimina and um and Jordan Pickford. Everything kept on trying to play off from the back, which is always a mistake against a high pressing team like Manchester City. So I don't really see the sense in them doing that. But yeah, Jesus got the double and then Carvet Lewin made it two one after a sumptuous cross from Luca Dinia who has been such a good left-back for Everton this season, it must be said. And then Sterling came off the bench and made it 3-1 and continues his own rich goal-scoring form that he's just had throughout the whole season. So City remains second, Liverpool first on the table. So another match, Tottenham Hotspur defeated Burnley one goal to nil. Burnley have actually been a bit of a bogey team for Spurs at Wembley. Away from home, Spurs have had no problems dispatching of Burnley by multiple goals. But at home, it's been quite difficult. And this match looked like it was going to be the same. It took up until the 91st minute in stoppage time before Christian Eriksen got the goal to give Spurs a three points. So good for them. Brighton won Chelsea 2. Had goals from Pedro, Hazard and Solomon March. Chelsea got a good win after beating Manchester City the previous week. They got another win. Eden Hazard was involved in both goals, scored and assisted. And right now, he's actually the highest. He has the highest combined goals and assists in the league. He's got eight goals and nine assists, which combined is more than any other player in the league. 
So this guy is really, really playing the football of his life at the moment. Um, despite the fact that Chelsea don't really have any really good strikers to finish off the chances he provides, he still has the highest assists. So imagine what they could do with a bona fide world-class striker. But I guess we're never going to know that because I don't think they're going to be able to sign one this season. Southampton 3, Arsenal 2. Arsenal's undefeated run finally came to an end at the hands of relegation contenders Southampton. It was their new coach, Hazen Hutel's first match. His second match, but his first at the Southampton Stadium. And what a big result it was for him. Arsenal, though, their 22 unbeaten run has finally come to an end. And boy, oh boy, that defense is shit, man. I cannot like believe how bad their defense is at times. Southampton got all the goals through headers, two from Danny Ings. And, but, they, the, but those two goals from Danny Ings were replied by two goals from Mkhitaryan as well. And then Charlie Austin came off the bench to get the winner. Charlie Austin has actually scored in every single match he has played against Arsenal. So that's pretty good record for him. So Arsenal finally lose and we'll start to see now what really the team is made out of. If if they have the mental strength to recover and get back to winning ways. La Liga, we had Espanyol nil, Barcelona 5. Wait, was it Espanyol they played? I don't, I don't think it was Espanyol. Let me just confirm that really quickly. Sorry, it was Levante nil, Barcelona 5. And the little man got a hat-trick in this match. He pulled all the strings in this match, literally. I mean, he scored the hat-trick and he also provided the two assists for the other two goals. So Messi is literally carrying these guys on his back and they're still top of the league. And... Hopefully somebody can stop them, man. But this guy is just unbelievable. He just continues to remind us about how good he is. It's crazy how well he's played since he was announced that he came fifth in the Ballon d'Or voting. I don't know if... Well, I mean, we all like to think of Messi as a player that doesn't really care about the individual accolades. But I must say, he must have been a bit frustrated by that and unhappy. And maybe felt a bit disrespected. And that might be part of what's driving him to play so well right now. Real Valladolid... Two, Atletico Madrid three. Goals from Kalinic and Antoine Griezmann were enough to get the win for Valladolid. And then Real Madrid defeated Rayo Vallecano one goal to nil, courtesy of a Karim Benzema goal. It wasn't really the best performance from Real Madrid though. I mean, at home against Rayo Vallecano, you really expect a lot more than just one nil. But so has been their whole season that it's not really surprising. Sevilla defeated Girona two goals to nil. Courtesy of goals from Eva Banega and Pablo Sarabia. Sevilla bounced back to winning ways after, was it two or three straight draws? So it's good for them to get back to winning ways and continue to put pressure on Barcelona at the top of the league. Serie A, we had Torino nil, Juventus one in the Turin derby. It was Cristiano Ronaldo who got the winning goal from the penalty spot. Juventus continued to maintain their winning ways. 
But it must be said, though, that I don't really think they're actually playing the best football. They just keep on winning by really slim margins, which you would not expect. You'd expect a team with so much talent to win by more than one goal to nil every single week. But at the same time, it seems like in Serie A, like culture, winning goals by three or four is actually not part of the culture. It's actually frowned upon. It seems like when you're playing against a team that you're better than and you've gotten a goal or two goals to nil, running up the scoreline is actually quite disrespectful. I don't really see how it is. I think it actually shows respect to your opponent, the fact that you're not relentless, that you are relentless and you keep on scoring because you're respecting your opponent and acknowledging the fact that your opponent can always come back into the game. So you need to put him out, put your opponent out so that that doesn't happen. So I don't really see how that's disrespectful. But I don't even know if that's the reason why Juventus are not scoring as they should be. But they are getting the results. And we all know they're going to win the league. The Champions League is where it's at for them. Cagliari nil, Napoli won after getting knocked out of the Champions League. Um, Napoli got a win. A very late winner from, from Arkadiusz Milik. Good for him. Inter Milan won. Udinese nil, and it was the man again, Mauro Icardi, doing it for Inter Milan. So they, Inter and Napoli, are still third and second, respectively. Bologna nil, AC Milan nil. Luckily for them, they're still in the top four. Bundesliga, so we had both weekend and midweek fixtures. Over the weekend, Borussia Dortmund defeated Werder Bremen two goals to one to stay unbeaten and at the top of the league. And then Hanover nil, Bayern Munich four. Bayern Munich are getting back in form, man. I'm not kidding. They are stringing some results together. And this title race is not over. And it's not over because in the midweek, Borussia Dortmund lost the first match of the season. They lost to relegation contenders and newly promoted team Fortuna Dusseldorf, two goals to one. It's the first loss for Borussia Dortmund. And I must say that the winning goal from Fortuna Dusseldorf was an absolute scorcher of a goal. Crazy shot from the edge of the box and the the, traje- the trajectory that the ball followed for that goal was just, it was really cool to watch the way it curved. And it was, it, it curved like a, a shot from the outside foot, but it was actually from the inside foot and Roman Berkey had no chance. Paco Alcacer got a consolation goal to make it 2-1. And he's now got 12 goals at the and he's a top goal scorer, but it wasn't enough. Dortmund lost the match. And Bayern Munich capitalized on that by defeating RB Leipzig one goal to nil. Ribery got the winner very, very late in the match as well. And they are now six points behind in third place. They're six points behind Dortmund. So the Bundesliga is far from over. If Bayern Munich are able to to get back to their form, we don't know. We don't know what can happen. But I hope Borussia Dortmund has what it takes to keep up, to maintain their lead, and to not just bottle it. And the Club World Cup has commenced as well. Real Madrid won their match in the semifinals against Kashima Antlers, three goals to one. Gareth Bale got a hat-trick. And... We all expect Real Madrid to obviously win. They are going for their third straight Club World Cup trophy. 
So they got, they got off to winning ways against Kashima Atlas. And they are going to be playing in the final against Al Ain Club of Abu Dhabi, who defeated River Plate to go, um, who defeated River Plate 5-4 on penalties. The match ended 2-2 and penalties, Al Ain won 5 goals to 5-4 um, on penalty shootouts. So the final is going to be on the 22nd of December, which is in two days' time. And it's going to be Real Madrid versus Al Ain. The Carabao Cup was also played over the midweek. And there were some good matches in the Carabao Cup. Actually, it was the quarterfinals. And the standout match was the North London derby once again. And Tottenham Hotspur got their revenge this time around after the defeat that they suffered in the league, four goals to two. They won by the same margin, two goals to nil. Courtesy of goals from Son Heung Min and Dele Ali. And I didn't watch the match, but I saw the, the highlights. And I must say that the two Spurs goals were from really, really bad Arsenal defending. I mean, the amount of space that Son and Dele Ali had for their two goals was just crazy. I think Dele Ali was one who gave the assist to Son for the first goal, which he which put him through one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and he put it past Peter Cech. Then the second one, very similar, Kane gave a ball over the top, Dele Ali free on goal against Cech and then he gave a beautiful finish. It was a dinked lob over the keeper with his right foot into the goal. So Spurs got their revenge over Arsenal and Arsenal have now had suffered back-to-back -back defeats. So it's not really looking good for Arsenal. But I'm sure they have what it takes to recover. But they're out of the Carabao Cup and Tottenham Hotspur are through to the semis. And who's joining them in the semifinals? Well, we've got Manchester City who defeated Leicester on penalties as well. The regular match ended 1-1. De Bruyne returned and got a beautiful goal to give Manchester City the lead. I mean, the amount of footwork and the precision in the shot that he took to get that first goal was just something that only KDB can do. Only players of that caliber. And it's going to be interesting to see how much Manchester City has missed him. I mean, they've been able to maintain good form in the league and they're only just, I think, a point or two below Liverpool. And this has been without KDB, without David Silva for a while now. I mean, for like about two weeks now. And without Aguero also. So... De Bruyne coming back is going to be a huge plus for these guys. I mean, the fact that they've been able to do all of this without him, what can they do with him? It's really, really scary, man. But this club is good. They have such depth and the best players back. So we're going to see how that goes for them. Chelsea. Oh, yeah. The, the, penalty shoot, the penalty shootouts between Leicester and Man City were quite hilarious. They were very poor. Leicester only scored one of their penalties. And Raheem Sterling, who missed one for Manchester City, he tried to do a panenka, which, which went over the bar and just looked really, really stupid. So it was a hilarious penalty shootout, very poor, but City got the win. And then last, and then Chelsea won Bournemouth nil. Eden Hazard came off the bench to get the goal for Chelsea. Once again, he's the difference for this club. What would they be without Hazard? I really don't know. But he got them the win off the bench. It was actually a bit of a scrambled goal. 
he shot the ball and went off Charlie Daniels' arm and went into the goal. Then the last match was Middlesbrough nil, Burton Albion one. So that's the only team left that is not from the Premier League is Burton Albion. Unfortunately for them, though, they are going to be playing against Manchester City and Spurs are going to be playing against Chelsea. And both semifinals are going to be played on January 8th. I'm not sure if I think it's still two legged, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But yeah, Manchester City, Burton Albion, Spurs against Chelsea on the 8th of January. So over to the fixtures for this weekend. The Premier League, I think the standout fixture here is going to be Wolves against Liverpool. This should be a tricky match for Liverpool. Wolves have played really, really well against top opposition in the league this season. So I expect them to really give it their all against Liverpool. They had a dip in form recently, but they've been able to recover recover, and they've been winning well. So um, let's see how this match goes. I think they'll be able to get a good win against Liverpool in this match. Next, we've got Everton versus Spurs. Um, well, back to Liverpool should also be able to put in a good shift. I mean, they are going to obviously be on a high after defeating United. So it's going to be a tough match, but I have a feeling Wolves are going to get something out of this. I honestly do feel that way. But Liverpool, let's see. They are really a different animal this season, so we'll see how they go. Everton versus Spurs. Everton are at home at Goodison Park against Spurs. They put in a decent showing against City. They actually created a lot of chances, which they wasted. The likes of Walcott and Richarlison wasted a lot of chances in that match. And I'm sure they'll be hoping to bounce back in this match. But they're playing against Tottenham Hotspur, who are also on a good run of games. They managed to stay in the in the Champions League. And they've been winning in the league. And they're going up against Everton right now. And it's going to be a tough match for both teams. I think this is going to be very tough. Very interesting to watch. It can be a high-scoring game. It could be a low-scoring game. Um, but I don't know who's going to win it. We'll see. Manchester City versus Crystal Palace. This should be a straightforward win for City. We'll see if KDB is going to get his first um, starts of the season, I believe. Um, we'll see how that one goes. Chelsea versus Leicester. Chelsea should be able to get the win as well. Um, Leicester are not really that great this season. They've just been solidly in the mid-table. So, Chelsea, Eden Hazard, let's see. Sorry, excuse me. Then Arsenal versus Burnley. If Arsenal were going to ask for a good fixture to get back to winning ways, they could have asked for a better one because Burnley have shipped in goals for fun this season. Their defense was dogged against Spurs last week, but I don't think they can do it twice in a row. They're away at the Emirates as well, so I really only see one winner in this match, and that's Arsenal. Then we've got Cardiff against United. It's going to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first match in charge. Well, a lot of a lot is going to be expected from this match. A lot of eyes are going to be on this match because it's going to be the first match in the post-Jose Mourinho era 
of United. It's going to be interesting to see who he plays as well. We're expecting to see Pogba go back into the starting lineup. The likes of Martial, hopefully they're free. Um, who else? Um, Rashford should start. Lukaku. Hopefully, hopefully we hope that Oligona Sosha actually knows what's best for Lukaku. He, I hope he knows what system is best for him because we all know they're very similar strikers. Oligona Sosha was also more or less a box striker. I mean, he had way better control on the ball than Lukaku does, but I think he should know what it takes to unlock Lukaku's strengths. Over to La Liga, we've got Barcelona versus Salta Vigo. Should be a straightforward win for Barcelona. They seem to be going back to their consistent ways. The defense seems to be getting a little bit better as well. Because I think this is two straight clean sheets now. Nine goals without any conceded. So that's good signs for them. Leganes versus Sevilla. Sevilla have not really been good away from home lately. They've drawn their last two matches away from home. But they should be able to get this win against Leganes. And then we've got Let's Go Madrid versus Espanyol. That should be a good match as well. Serie A. We've got Juventus versus Roma. That's the standout fixture from there. Roma have really not been in the best form this season. So it's going to be very tough to see them get anything out of this match. But like I said, Juventus are not really scoring the goals. So if Roma can get one, well, we don't know what can happen. Then Kievo versus Inter Milan. Napoli versus Spal. And AC Milan versus Fiorentina, which should also be a good match. Then the Bundesliga, we've got Borussia Dortmund versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. The battle of the Borussias. It's first versus second, actually. So it's a top-of-the-table battle. And this should be a very entertaining match because both teams play open attacking football. And Dortmund are going to be looking to bounce back from their loss midweek. So it's all to play for here. And Bayern Munich are going to be facing Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt. If Bayern are in form, nobody can stop them. So I expect this to be a win for them. And they're going to be very keen on the Dortmund-Mönchengladbach match. They're going to be hoping for a draw at least so that they can move up to second. Then Ligue 1, we've got PSG versus Nantes. This is going to be PSG's first match in the league in about three weeks. Since those riots that have been going on in Paris, they've had to postpone all of their matches. So hopefully this one goes ahead as scheduled. And despite this, despite missing the last two matches, PSG are still 10 points ahead on the table, which is just bonkers. So even if they don't play this match, it will still be comfortably on top of the table. And there's this little matter of the Champions League draw, which was also done earlier this week on Monday. The draw has been set for the round of 16, which is going to be taking place in... Um, it's going to be next year in February. Um, let me just get the, the dates out really quickly. So it's it's going to be yeah so so the matches start off on the thirteenth of February or more like the twelfth of February actually start on the twelfth of February it's going to be when the first legs take place and the draw. Let's talk about the fixtures. So, 
First one is Manchester United versus PSG. Whew. United could not have wanted to be playing against PSG at this stage in the competition. PSG, on the other hand, I think they will be happy about this draw. United are no... Um, there are no Ajax or Lyon or Schalke, but going by form this season, you can't really argue that they're better than any of those teams. So in terms of form, I don't think PSG could have really asked for any better fixtures than to go up against United. So I'm sure they're going to be happy. But United have changed their manager and it's going to be played in February. A lot can change between now and then. However, PSG are overwhelming favourites for this match and it's really hard to see how that really, really bad United defence, despite Mourinho being in charge of that defence and how many goals they leaked. Now imagine if an attacking coach takes over that defence, they're going to ship in goals for fun. So how's that defence going to cope against the likes of Neymar, Mbappe and Cavani? I really don't know. I don't see any other scenario except for PSG winning this match. And Liverpool versus Bayern. That's a huge one. That's a really big one. I mean, going by form, you can't argue. Liverpool are definitely favourites to win this match. But we all know the quality that Bayern Munich boasts. They have quality from head to toe. And also, like I said, this, these matches are being played in February. So much can change between now and then. So, so much can change. And Bayern Munich seem to be, seem to be playing themselves into, into form. They're winning all their matches lately. And Liverpool, we don't know what situation they're going to have in the league. We don't know if they're still going to be top of the league or still chasing. They are definitely going to have divided attention because the league is definitely their number one priority this season. So I really don't know who's going to win this match, man. It's it's really, really tough to call. But Liverpool are definitely favourites, but a lot can change between now and then. Very exciting fixture, though, especially the home leg at Anfield. I think that's just going to be bonkers. But... One thing to note is that Van Dijk is actually going to be out of the first leg. And we all know how important Van Dijk is to that Liverpool defence. He has almost single-handedly transformed that defence into a world-class defensive unit. So without him against Bayern Munich, especially if they're in form, it's going to be hard. I definitely think whoever takes the first leg is going to win this. If Liverpool win the first leg, I think they'll win this. If Bayern Munich get a draw in the first leg, it's hard to see Liverpool come to the Allianz and get anything. Also, Jurgen Klopp, um, the only Champions League final he got to was against Bayern Munich, which he lost. So I'm sure he'll be looking to exercise some of those demons. So all in all, man, so many storylines going into this match. It's also going to be the return of Jadon Shakiri to Bayern Munich. So that's interesting. There's actually a lot of player returns in all the fixtures. For the My UPSG match, it's going to be the return of Di Maria, who I don't know if he's going to play or not because he's really shit these days. But it's his return. And let's go Madrid versus Juventus. This is a very going to be a very tight and cagey affair. I don't think either of these teams wanted to face the other. Atletico Madrid are not the best team in Europe, but they are by far the most annoying to play against. They're the most difficult team to play against. And the same can be said about Juventus. 
Juventus have the talent, but they also have the personnel to really get rugged, get dirty, get grindy. And this is not going to be an entertaining match at all. I think this can only go two ways. I think if Atletico Madrid win, it's going to be it's going to be from like tightening their defense and maybe getting goals on the counter attack. But Juventus are definitely going to have to take more of the impetus in this match. And we all know Cristiano Ronaldo has an excellent record against Atletico Madrid. He scored about like twenty two goals against them. He's at the third he, they're his third favorite um opposition. I think it's only two other clubs he scored more goals against. And he's returning to Madrid as well. So it's going to be I think Juventus should get the win. I mean, we all know this is what they're playing for this season, the Champions League. So it would be very disappointing for Juventus to lose at this stage and only have the league to play for. We all know that's why they signed Ronaldo. And Ronaldo has only scored one goal in the Champions League. So I think we're going to be expecting him to really tear it up in the knockout stages. So he couldn't have asked for a better fixture against a team that he scores a lot against. But... I think this is going to be a very tight affair. Also, another um, extra motivation for Atletico Madrid is the fact that the final is actually going to be played at their home stadium, the the Metro, Wanda Metropolitano. So I'm sure Atletico Madrid are going to be motivated to at least get the final in their home. So it's all to play for in this match. And both teams, it's unfortunate that one of them is going to be knocked out at this stage in the Champions League. But Juventus should get the win. And then Tottenham Hotspur versus Borussia Dortmund. Ah, this is mouth-watering. This is going to be a very, very exciting fixture. It's really, really hard to call who the favorites in this match. Based on form, I would say Borussia Dortmund because they have only had one defeat in the league, one defeat in the Champions League as well, top of the league. And they also won their group, which included Atletico Madrid. And we can't forget that 4-0 drubbing they gave Atletico Madrid at the Signal Iduna Park. So Dortmund are favourites. But Spurs, Spurs are solid from head to toe. I think based on squad strength, I would I would pick Tottenham Hotspur's squad over Dortmund. And also, Tottenham Hotspur are... Um, they, they have also played very well. They basically revived themselves from the dead in the group phase because... Really, they they shot themselves in the foot, or they almost shot themselves in the foot and didn't qualify. But they did really, really well to qualify. And this match, yeah, is very hard to call, but it's going to be very exciting. I can't wait for it. Then we've got Ajax versus Real Madrid. This is also a very interesting match. This is also one of those, just like the Liverpool-Bayern match, where a lot can change in a few months. If Real Madrid are able to string together some good performances and get back some consistency, then this really should not even be a tough match for them. But we all know how Real Madrid has been this season. They have been far from consistent. They have been quite poor. And Ajax, on the other hand, have just been blazing. They are undefeated this season. They didn't lose in the group phase. They drew Bayern Munich home and away. They have won, I think, 14 out of their 16 matches in the league only drawn twice and they are looking unstoppable. They also have a lot of young talents. We're, lo- we're talking about guys like Delict, like um, Frankie de Jong. Uh, 
So they've got players, man. They've got young, exciting, attacking players. And Real Madrid would be wise to give Ajax a lot of respect in this match. Lyon versus Barcelona. Overall, definitely Barcelona overwhelming favorites, but I can see Lyon taking something in their home match. I mean, Lyon beat Manchester City in Manchester and drew them away from home. And I don't think Barcelona are really any better than Manchester City this season. So Lyon can definitely get something at home against Barcelona. But over two legs, it's really going to be too tough for them to defeat Barcelona. So I can only see one winner. But I can see a lot of goals in this match. Then, speaking of City, we've got them going away from home against Schalke in the first leg. Should be an easy win for for Manchester City. Expecting them to win both home and away. And then we've got AS Roma versus FC Porto. That's another interesting match. It's good for the two of them that that they were drawn against each other. Because it gives both teams a very good chance of qualifying to the quarterfinals. So Roma versus Porto is going to be probably the most tightly contested of all the matches. But at the same time, it's the one I'm looking forward to the least. I'm not going to lie. So these are the fixtures for the Champions League. But unfortunately, they're not going to be played anytime soon. We have to wait until next year, February. In the meantime, there is more than enough local football domestic league football to keep us entertained until then so i'd like to thank you guys for listening to me once again um a lot happened over the week and yeah a lot of excitement going into the weekend i'm definitely looking forward to the games hope you guys are as well and as usual you can catch me on social media on twitter at dk ballots that's dk b-a-l-a-t and on Instagram at dballat, that's D-B-A-L-A-T. Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.